welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, uh, we have Chuck Wright, formerly of Quiet Riot, uh, and he has a new solo album coming out uh, on May 20th, right around the corner called Sheltering Sky. I had a chance to listen to it. It's really awesome. I recommend checking it out. Uh, We'll get into that in just a little bit when we bring Chuck in. Uh, But before uh, we do that, let me give you a little update on what I have going on in the world. Uh, First off, this past weekend, you know, pretty pretty freaking busy. Uh, Saturday was the big day. If you tune into uh, recent episodes, you'll know that uh, I was working on a century ride. building up to it with my buddy Joe. We rode most weekends and uh, would get out and hit the trails, um, building up miles to, uh, to try and hit 100 in the century ride. There was no quitting us really. Uh, so we, we made it happen. We got out on Saturday morning, uh, I, I got to Santa Rosa, California at like six o'clock in the morning and, um, and then went out and biked. It's like an all day thing. I mean, this is a long ride, and I'll, I'll give some context for uh, for this uh, by uh, by sharing f- a photo of uh, of the the path that we took and um, and how it turned out as well. Um, so let me let me pull that up here. And all right, so here's here's the here's the Strava uh, clip, but really we can we can pinch in and uh, and look. We started at Luther Burbank Center in Santa Rosa and went you know, de- uh, south, uh, west, uh, and then up uh, up north as well, and just drove through cities. Most of it was beautiful, you know, through uh, through vineyards as well, and did a, a full loop really, um, ending back in uh, in Santa Rosa. And, uh, and as you can see, it took me six hours and 50 minutes of time on the bike. Uh, there were four rest stops uh, along the way. Um, to stop and get uh, nutrients like bananas, grapes, um, you know, some water, what have you. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, it's some, there were some hills that were very difficult. The total elevation, as you can see, over 4,700 feet, which is no small feet, so to sp- speak. Um, I, uh, 12 miles in, I brought, I brought two water bottles and uh, 12 miles in this, one of the water bottles had uh, fell off my bike and the lids uh, broke off and I couldn't find it. So I just had to take the rest of the water bottle with me and uh, and manage until we got to the rest stop and then toss it and just deal with using one uh, one water bottle. There were some people who were on tandem bikes as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, this is a photo of me and my buddy Joe at the uh, finish line. We're, I mean, pretty damn proud, I'll say, that uh, that we were able to finish 100 miles because this is something that Four months ago, we didn't think was even possible. We wouldn't have even thought it was possible. We signed up for it together, and when we when we do that, we're committed, right? Uh, I'm, I'm able to get my buddy Joe to commit to uh, <laughs> to it, and he's a man of his word and makes it happen, which is awesome because I don't think I could have done this by myself either. It would definitely wouldn't have been as enjoyable, uh, and. Uh, and it was fun. I mean, we were on our bikes for almost seven hours, and there was soreness here and there uh, by the end of it, for sure. But we we crossed the end, and uh, uh, and we were able to celebrate, have some barbecue and beer, and uh, uh, and then come on back to town, and uh, with that checked off our list, which is which is really really cool. Uh, and then the next day, I got got back to my new house that I just bought, Vacaville, and. Uh, and did a lot of work on that. My garage is looking really great. The um, other parts of the house are coming together as well. Kitchen's looking good. 
uh, and uh, we put my my buddy Jens, who does the podcast with me sometimes uh, when he can. Uh, he uh, he came to Napa and helped me disassemble my son's uh, loft bed, which has like I don't know fifty uh, Allen wrench screws, uh, and um, and so we took that apart together. Uh, popped it in his SUV, drove over with the dogs and put it back together in Vacaville, which is a huge load off my plate. Uh, I'm so grateful uh, that he was able to help me do that. And that gets me one big step closer to uh, to finishing this move here in the next uh, two weeks or so. Um, I'll be completely out of my house really by the 21st, except for Bottle Rock Festival, which is coming up. Um, we do have interviews with more Bottle Rock bands, by the way, in the, the coming weeks as we lead into Bottle Rock and then probably some on the t uh, uh, other end of Bottle Rock as well that we do on site. So looking forward to, uh, to that. Uh, so much great content coming uh, and so many great bands um, coming up around the, the corner. So um, I definitely subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done that, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. Um, lots of different ways to uh, to follow, like, and subscribe, and all that fun stuff. Uh, we don't tell you not to do that enough as well, but also on socials with Facebook and Instagram. And I don't always do Twitter. I'm not a big fan of it. So, <laughs> especially with the almost taking over. Who knows, right? Or that'll turn into. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get most of the satisfaction from Facebook and Instagram. So, just saying, that's where the content is. Um, all right. So let's talk about Chuck Wright. He's uh, spent decades uh, on and off with uh, Quiet Riot and has so many great stories to share from his time with Quiet Riot as well as the other bands he's been in, uh, some artists that he's worked with as well. I won't spoil any of that. Let's just bring him in. Let's bring in Chuck. Great, great. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. How's your day going so far? So far, so good. I did uh, my, my first uh, um, interview for the new record a little while ago with Canada. I'm starting the new, the press thing that you got to do. And this is, you know, new for me because this is my debut solo record. And after all these years, um, decades actually <laughs> of doing bands and doing albums for other people, over a hundred albums, it's, it's uh, uh, interesting doing it myself, all myself. Yeah, it's your, your thing now. And, and the Zoom, I mean, I'll tell you, I love it because uh, we used to do all of our interviews in concert at the concerts, which you have to do around. You, you fit it in between sound check and dinner, and you make it loud. <laughs> yeah, it's it's loud. You got the you got the other band sound checking in the background yeah, uh -huh. when you got when you got twenty minutes with with the band. And this, it's more free form. You get the person in their home, and we can just uh, you know let it roll how it goes, and right it's more. And talk to people all over the world also, which is really cool. So that's yeah, the best that the reach nowadays is fantastic because of that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for for taking the time. I've I've checked sure, out man. the new album and I and I dig it. And I know you put a lot of work into it. It's uh, it's well, really freaking great. It, it's uh all the work happened because of the pandemic. Um yeah. I was so busy pre-pandemic uh between touring on the weekends with Quiet Riot and then I run a thing called Ultimate Jam Night, which I'm coordinating between 40 and 100 musicians, pro musicians. Um, it was weekly at that point. Now it's bi-weekly because it's just too much. It's really, it's really hard to do. <laughs> Each week's a different theme, and you got to do different artwork, and you got to do different everything, and get a hold of the musicians, coordinate it all. Um, but it's been really successful. We just did a uh, a benefit for Ukraine, um, the World Central Kitchen. Um, the last the last show which was a huge success it was packed and 
we had um, Steel Heart, the Bullet Boys, and a bunch of other really great bands down and great artists playing. So yeah, lots of lots of people coming together for a good cause, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, who knew? I mean, um, you you probably saw my my new uh, video for my new single, uh, Throwing yes. Stones. That's yes. an, actually an anti-war messaged song, but it was written lyrically before this Russian invasion happened. Um, Joe, I sent the music up to Joe Retta, um, who's an amazing singer, and I just think he outdid himself on this. It's uh, one, one friend uh, reviewer compared it to Primus meets Stevie Wonder on this, which is kind of unique. I mean, I wanted to make the song unique and modern, but still have like some 70s soulfulness to it. Uh, with the funk and I, I think we achieved that with this yeah go ahead I was going to say the video yeah so epic I mean the, I mean the, the flashing lights the monitors everything like it's really just a freaking rock video which you don't have too many too many of those these days right yeah so I would try to capture that kind of emotion with the energy of the song and Joe Retta couldn't be here um to do the video so we figured a good way around that would be to, to use uh, TV monitors. Like actually we set up like in a bomb shelter type setup and where all the TV monitors are, if you look at it again, you'll notice there's newspaper plastered all over the walls and on the floor and everything's just totally disheveled looking. Um, and so we were able to make the video work with him not being here that way. Um, and, and I'm very blessed to work with the, who I think is a genius, a guy named Tim Jansons, cinematographer, editor, um, and he's also mixed the song. Um, he plays, he's won awards as a film scorer and um, we've become very good friends. He did my last video with me, Army of Me, which was my Bjork cover, uh -huh. which that yeah. really surprised people when they're, when they think of me, they don't think of me as coming from that world, but, but you know, I'm all over the map musically as you'll hear on the record. Um, it, we cover a lot of territory and there's 40 guests on it. All, all people that are friends of mine that, that, really uh, liked what I was doing and wanted to be involved. So, um, and I was very fortunate to surround myself with some of the best guys for the, the, the best guy for the part, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Is how it worked. And, and so from the video side, I, uh, I know you're like creating a video production company, right? Yeah, I'm start, well, you know, it's, unfortunately the budgets aren't there, um, you know, like they used to be, but yeah, I, I, we're able to with, through Tim's, talent and I produce and I find locations and I, and I put together, I do all, like all the, he's the, the creative guy with the lens and editing and I, and I do all the, the other things. Um, we're able to create a pro, you know, a product or a video that looks like it was super expensive for, and not, and it's not. And, yeah. and that's the thing, you know, everybody knows the music, things have been so, uh, you know, just brought down as far as what, what there is financially for things nowadays, budgets and, and everything. So you could still deliver a great project, a product. Oh yeah, you could shoot a great video from your iPhone, right? Like, I mean- Well, if you, do it, it, you can, it, you know, the lighting's a key thing and editing's that's a key thing. thing. You need other, yeah, you need other supplies as well. But, you know, as far as actually shooting, you didn't used to be able to do that sort of thing, so. No, and you know what, the way that, that uh, the, this whole thing started um, and it has to do with the iPhone, um, it's when the pandemic hit, you know, I was sitting there looking at everybody's like, just going, what's going on? And you're looking around the world and there's no people anywhere. And it was like an apocalyptic feel to it. And I took that and wrote this instrumental piece, recorded it. I played everything and I edited myself. 
a video together with with um, a lot of drone footage of empty cities and just the feeling of it. I had one character, there was one man left in the world who's in a hazmat suit. It totally had that sci-fi feel to it. And I put that out. Um, and then I was contacted by um, Troy Lucchetta, who plays drums with Tesla. And he goes, man, yeah. I love the song. I'd love to play drums on it. So I said, oh, I've never thought about that. Because uh, I wasn't thinking in terms of making an album or anything. You know, I just re recorded music. And um, and so he recorded drums on it. And then uh, Alan Hines, who's a really well-known jazz fusion guitar player, joined in on it. So it became another whole thing together. And that's kind of how this whole album developed is, is I was creating music and I would say, hey, check this out to friends of mine. And they, they wanted to jump on board and get involved. Yeah. Now, Whitney Ty, tell me about working with uh, with her. She's on three songs and she's yeah, a great voice. Whitney, uh, yeah, Whitney uh, is somebody that I uh, had sing at Ultimate Jam Night. And I thought she was the perfect voice for um, Army of Me. And that's where um, our relationship started, was working on that song and developing that. And then we co-wrote a song together. And then um, I had her sing on another song. So, yeah, she's on three. She's amazingly talented. And um, she also, Tim is her, her guy, you know, so that's how I kind of got into a relationship, uh, working relationship with Tim Jansen's was through her, which was, yeah. which has been wonderful. We actually all just got together yesterday and went to see a movie, but um, yeah, she's an amazing talent and I'm actually doing some bass for her new solo record right now. Um, so yeah, it's all, we're all working together, you know, creating what we can. Yeah. Did, so did you do a lot of it like virtually, like send files back and forth because it was the, done whole, COVID the whole record, the whole thing was done that way. It was done. Yeah. with. I, I, I play guitar a lot on the album. A bass, of course. In fact, there's songs with three basses on it. If you can make yeah. a yeah, yeah. Bass, eight string bass and then playing chordal bass. There's a couple fusion type instrumentals, but uh, only two. And the rest of it's all musical, you know, with singers. I mean. Not music. The whole thing's musical, but I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, not instrumental. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I do. I play acoustic guitar on most things, and and um, just that's how it kind of all kind of happened organically. I just wanted to create music that I want to listen to. I didn't have an agenda like, okay, you got to write eight songs that are all like hard rock and in this vein. Which, if there are certain labels, if you're involved with them, you are restricted strongly restricted to a certain style and approach where uh, working with Cleopatra and Brian over there, they, they just basically gave me the reins and let me do, I gave them five songs before I showed them five songs. I go, this is great. And the video army of me was made. And that's what I used to, to shop around. And, and he just lets, let me do what I want and not, you know, intervene with, Oh, you can't do that. You can't do a Celtic song. What are you talking about? You know? So, but yeah, there's yeah. a full Celtic piece on the record. Yeah. And so what did you envision it when you went into it, like as 11 songs? Like, OK, this is about what I wanted to no, hear. There's a lot. Actually, there's a lot of material I didn't I didn't finish. I just was re writing and recording, writing and recording. And, and after the, the five songs were done is when I decided I go, wow, I think I've got an album here. Let's see if I can get somebody behind it, you know, because I could just put it out, my put out something myself, but it's not going to get the kind of attention or attraction you know not having a label behind it with their PR team and their the different people involved so it's it's more legitimate this way you know so so um that's why it, it happened after the first five songs were were completed um I was able to move on and create more and there's more that weren't finished either 
Yeah, stuff. You, are you already envisioning kind of the next album? You're like, it's not no, not, not at this it's point. Right far. now, all my focus is 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 doing right by this record, and that's why we just did that video and the video before, and I'm probably going to do another video uh, because that's really what generates attention more than anything nowadays. I mean, terrestrial radio is kind of toast, and um, you know, trying to get on playlists and and hope that just Spreading the word, just let, I, for me, this is just about letting people know uh, what I'm about musically. Um, after working with bands and, and for so many other artists and their vision, this is my thing. So they can really get a feel what I'm about. Yeah, and and so over the years, I mean, having done, supported so many other bands, we can talk about Quiet Riot obviously in a little bit, but, uh, but uh, did, did it ever cross your mind to do a solo album? Like, you know, hey, I wanna scratch this itch, I got, things in my pocket I want to well it you know honestly it has it has been suggested by people hey you should just do your own thing you, you know I used to ride with like with House of Lords I was a major writer and I've written for other things and and it's just it I was just always too busy you know to really take yeah. the time to do my own thing so um you know that I guess if there was any positive which it's hard to say there's a positive thing to a pandemic because we lost so many people but but, you know, I was able to glean something positive out of a horrible situation. That's a good way to put it, because, I mean, yeah, it wasn't, the, the situation as a whole wasn't positive. And a lot of pe people, and especially musicians, also found themselves in this spot where live concerts stopped, right? Like, I mean, I, I, totally. I, was, going, I was going through withdrawals, you know, like, I must go to a show, you know, and it's just... You yeah. weren't able to do it and you make I, make exactly. do with zoom zoom things but <laughs> that's and, and live nowadays as you probably know is one of the only real sources of income for musicians is getting out yeah. playing live because you really don't make what you did even close back in the um back in the day in the 80s or whatever selling product you know because everybody can just get it on spotify or wherever you know it's so you basically have to play live you know yeah. to, to generate and you're selling merchandise and 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 what you get for the shows you know yeah um so tell me tell i want to go back to the kind of the beginning like what music was on in your household as a kid were your parents musical influences at all um actually uh, not really uh i you know i just had my mom and i remember being a kid singing uh um roy orbison's pretty woman to her all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yeah you know, kind of started with my i remember my sister coming in telling me my older sister she's four years older going yeah there's this new band with that look totally crazy like they're a bunch of crazy guys called the Beatles you got to check them out and I remember you know checking out the Beatles and I got my tennis racket out and standing on the fireplace pretending that all the little shag carpets were people and I'm playing and I guess I envisioned that because I have played for you know a carpet full of people when you're doing big festivals and things um but uh, as far as once I started getting into playing, I mean, I took some guitar lessons, um, but then when I was 15, four, uh, 14, almost 15, some kids in the neighborhood had a band and they were older than me, but I was big for my age. And they said, you play guitar, right? And I go, a little bit. And they go, do you think you could play bass? And I go, bass, isn't that just like four strings, right? And I go, let me ask my mom. So my mom got me a bass and my biggest influence starting out was Jack Bruce. Um, with Cream, and, and I did my first gig, which was at a UCLA fraternity party, and I made 75 bunks, drank, drank some beer, and the girls thought I was cute. At that time, I was in a military academy for almost eight years. I was going to go to the Air Force Academy next, 
And I made the decision after that gig that this is what I want to do. And my mom supported me with it. And, and a great day for me was handing her a platinum record with, with her name on it, you know, because she always supported my choices. But, That's yeah. awesome. What a great gift, huh? Yeah, it all started, you know, musically, it started with Jack Bruce. And, and uh, an interesting anecdotal story is um, I was on tour with uh, uh, Carmine, who I, I don't know if you know Carmine. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I've interviewed and, him a couple of times. And Vanilla Fudge and the, the opening act bass player um, had recently and uh, well had inherited a substantial amount of money. And when I went over to his house and he goes, check that bass out. It was Jack Bruce's bass that he did the Israeli gears on, which is the first song I ever learned. And I got to play the bass for the first song I've ever learned, <laughs> which, which was Sunshine of Your Love. So uh, it's kind of a crazy story, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And and uh, and you went to uh, Black Sabbath's first show, is that right? Oh, well, you know, growing up in L.A., very blessed to have seen acts like um, I saw Yes for $5 at the Whiskey. We're driving. My friend, I didn't have a driver's license. My friend's driving. He goes, hey, look, look, I've heard that band's supposed to be good. I go, yeah, I heard that band Yes is supposed to be good. That totally changed, honestly, changed my whole direction of, of music and started getting into it all the prog bands and all that back then, um, as well as Deep Purple and Black Sabbath. I saw Black Sabbath and the interesting about, thing about that show was at the Whiskey, the stage is here and they had a, a, a the loading door and above the loading door was this ramp above it where they would put gear in between when they would switch bands out, they put Ozzy up there. So Ozzy's on this ramp away from the band because they were so loud, I guess he couldn't stand on the stage, but that was the loudest band I'd ever heard at that point. My pant legs were moving. It was so, you know, it's crazy. I've seen, you know, I saw Queen's first concerts in LA, David Bowie's first concerts in LA. Um, wow. And that was my education. I wasn't like, I'm not a schooled guy that I went to, you know, music institute or whatever. My education was seeing great musicians uh, do their craft. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so when you started getting on stage yourself, did it feel natural? Was there any nervousness at all? Or uh, When I first started out, no, it's just getting on stage has always been a real natural feeling thing for me. As long as I have my bass in front of me, if I don't, I don't know what to do with myself, you know, but yeah, I've been playing live since I was a kid. So it's certainly natural. And I was really blessed. My very first tour um, in 1985 um, was sold out arenas, um, which Talk about lucky. Um, my very first tour was with uh, Jafria opening for Deep Purple when they did their um, their Perfect Strangers tour when they reunited. So that was sold out. And then we jumped off that to Foreigner and they had a number one song with I Want to Know What Love Is out. So that's how it all is. My first touring experience was playing for, you know, 15, 20,000 people a night. So it was pretty amazing. There's no breaking in for you. You just had to get out there and do it. Boom. And, uh, and I'll never it. forget the first night standing on the side of the stage going, the, the lights go out. And I heard that crowd. I just went, oh, my God. The energy the band had was just amazing that night. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's hard. Unless you do it, it's kind of hard for, for a person that's never experienced that to really know what that feels like. But it's a pretty amazing feeling. Yeah. Tell me about that Foreigner tour. What was that like? Do you have any uh, fond memories from that tour? Uh, well, th that's the one we did right after just that those guys were super great to us. And, and they had um, one funny story is, is every night they would have a different choir, gospel choir up on stage and they had white robes and they had the choir director um, who actually ended up singing with Pink Floyd. But she 
she was there. And on the last show, um, we talked them into, not the band, the band didn't know about this, talked them into letting us come out with the choir in the robes. And Lou Grand singing, he looks back and he sees us going, I want to know what love is. You know, they totally lost it there. They also, another thing, they had an angled stage. Like yeah. the, it was, and it was really difficult to perform on it. On the, That's the, the first time that I've ever fallen. I did a spin, landed on my back on stage and I'm like, I go, what should I do? Should I melt this and just lay here and act like I did it on purpose? Like, you know, I remember that. Those are a couple of memories from that yeah. era. You were able to shake it off though and, and be oh, able yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. But I melted, it, you know, I figured I'm down there. I'll try to do make something out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, so so talk to me about satire uh, and uh, and your time. Satire? Oh, my, satire, excuse me. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well that was that was like my first real like band that played out um and in, in the clubs here in LA. Um I was the main writer for the band it was a science fiction. Prague rock band, kind of a, if you can imagine Led Zeppelin meets Genesis. We had costume changes and we were the first band um, in rock and roll history, most people don't know this, to use uh, Krypton lasers. To, you know the laser shows that you see all the yeah. time where they're bouncing them off mirrors and things? We were the first band. We knew the guy that developed te technology up at Pasadena Tech and, and uh, um, we met with them and we said, hey, can we combine, you know, we got a screen and he would do projections behind us. And we had stages made to look like flying saucers for the drums and the keyboards. We had this huge Keith Emerson looking keyboard set up. Um, yeah, it, it was, and we handed out comic. The one thing that we did was called the trilogy and, and um, the singer was a great artist and, and he did like a comic book thing. So we handed out playbills that were like a comic book of that. So it was a whole thing that was, but unfortunately, even though we were packing things out at that time, um, Bands like The Knack, The Motels, The Fix, all the new wave things were happening. So the record labels are going, yeah, this is great, but how, what are we going to do with it, you know, at that yeah. point? Yeah. So so tell me about the call to, to join Quiet Riot. How did that uh, come about? Well, that was really, um, when I had Satter, my guitar player was playing with Kevin Dubrow, which at that point it was Randy and Rudy had left Quiet Riot and um, it became Dubrow, um, which is just Kevin's last name, Kevin Dubrow. And then he suggested me for the bass, so I did that. So we were in both bands at the same time, and we ended up doing the demos um, that became uh, the Metal Health record. Most of that album, Metal Health, are demos. Um, wow. That's how, that's how I ended up on, on, on Bang Your Head and Don't Wanna Let You Go, and I sing on every track as well. Um, but yeah, that's how that all happened. And then Randy passed and Rudy rejoined the band. And at that time I was with Satter. I go, okay, that's fine. Who knew <laughs> that it would sell two million copies, you know? But you yeah. just, you know, yeah. it changed and the whole fabric of, of the music scene. Um, it went, took the, all the new wave thing went away and they opened the doors uh, with Come On Feel The Noise for the, uh, you know, the big hair metal rock bands or hard rock and bands uh, to kind of take over the territory and on radio and everything. I just Whose idea was it? Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I remember every label in town wanting a band that had that vibe to it, you know, the, the hair and the, the big anthem choruses and all that. They were just grabbing them all. Yeah. Whose idea was it to uh, cover Come On, Feel the Noise? That actually was the producer's, um, Spencer Proffert's idea. 
he brought the song in and Kevin was super resistant about it, um, about doing outside material. And I remember very clearly being in the, in the control room with Kevin and, and Spencer. And he, we were talking about the song and I said, Kevin, I go, look at, look at what we have. Do you hear any, a pop single here? Do you hear anything that, that could be a big radio hit? And he thought about it, he goes, oh, okay. So he finally caved in and, and uh, the band did the song. And that changed yeah. everything. I mean, I mean, as much as he hated it and didn't want to do it, it made the band, you know, because Bang Your Head came out and did pretty good, but then it went away, Come, Come On, Feel the Noise came out, broke it wide open, they re-released Bang Your Head. As a, you know, even though it was released once before, they re-released it and became huge. Yeah, so. Yeah. And, I mean, it. it's one of those songs where you're, you know, it's like, knocking on heaven's door with guns and roses or something where you, you I mean even though another artist did, you know did it originally you associated so much with yeah you know, quiet quiet right that it's it's yeah most people don't, don't even know. think about it no most yeah. people don't know it's it's a song by Slade just like there's a lot of Led Zeppelin songs and, and things where they took ideas from old blues guys I had no idea I thought it was their song you know or a cream had songs that I always, because when I was a kid, I just thought they wrote it, but it actually was a cover of a, you know, Blind Melon Johnson or whatever song. Yeah. Or Do you remember where sign, you... for instance, is a blues tune. Huh? Yeah. Do you remember where you were when you heard first heard Come On For The Noise and on the radio? Well, like not that song. I remember hearing Bang Your Head for the first time. Yeah. And thinking to myself, man, the bass sounds so killer. I'm so glad it's loud because it, it like carries that tune. And, and I've done a lot of records where I have to struggle to hear, what did I play there? I can't hear it, you know, but the bass is, is a big part of the way that song sounds. I'm yeah. very proud of that, by the way, but yeah. The oh, for, for sure. And the doors of that open and everything. I mean, it's, it's one of those songs that just lives on, you know, even, I mean, so many years well, later. Yeah, what's, you hear it at football games all the time, like when they're going to commercial, the whole crowd singing it. And, and yeah, and people were coming out they would always tell me stories about oh the first time I heard that that's the first album I ever owned or my mom made me throw that album out because of the lyrics on it or whatever you know um everybody has a story about when where they were or what they were doing when they first heard that or when they got the album it touched my virginity to it you know <laughs> yeah it, it, no I've heard that story too I said the uh, back of my sure. car listening to come on feeling you know I've heard I've heard it all man I don't doubt it I don't doubt yeah. it yeah, and uh, and uh, quite right. It's also covered "Highway to Hell." You know, uh, tell me. Well, yeah, I wasn't involved with that. That was you, like you weren't part of that. One? No, no, that was you, you, with with that band. I've been in and out of it five yeah. times. Yeah, I mean, I played. I had my own band, House of Lords, on RCA, and I played with Alice Cooper, Ted Nugent, and you're from up north. You probably know Ronnie Montrose and Montrose. So, so you know, um, it's just in and out, in and out the whole, my whole career. Now I'm I'm on my own again. And I'm doing uh, my own my own thing right now, so which is cool. Yeah, and so with you with you having been in and out of the band so so much, I know you did your last show with Quiet Riot last year in October. Uh, do you do you see yourself kind of going back at some point, or is it? I mean, is it right now just fully focused on uh, on your solo stuff? Yeah, I'm I'm focused on that. I'm also playing um, with with uh, an all star classic uh, legends of classic rock with uh, the drummer from the original drummer uh, founding member of white lion and uh, terry loose from great white and a keyboard player that played with ozzy and um we just did five weeks um out and um that's a lot of fun you know we do songs from our 
from our band's repertoire. We have a couple shows coming up, but that's I'm doing that for fun. But my focus totally is on sheltering sky and and that that project and that band. I mean, it's not a band; it's my thing. Yeah, myself. Yeah, you're, yeah, it's you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and how about a tour? Do you uh, do you envision touring up north? Um, with with the, with my own thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been asked that before, and actually, to pull off what's on this album would take a lot of musicians and a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I need, be, I need to be Roger Waters to to do it the, properly, to do it right. So I I right now I I don't imagine that happening. Maybe a hybrid of of like playing some of the songs that I could pull off with a smaller set up and then use and then maybe playing songs from my past as part of a thing you know what i mean like taking songs that i wrote from like with house of lords or whoever and and um, doing it all in one show that could probably work yeah i mean you bring 40 people in i mean that makes it pretty tough for sure so <laughs> well plus the, the variety of, of music and stylistically oh, yeah. what's going on is a big thing too so yeah yeah you know violin yeah. and acoustic guitars and whatever you know a lot for sure um you mentioned alice cooper tell me about your time uh, with alice cooper what, what did um, you learn from him well um i basically i toured with him uh 2002 2003 and we did uh let's see 75 cities and 17 countries started in moscow and ended in lisbon and it was one of the highlights of my career and my life uh, playing with uh that organization and being part of a broadway type show uh, which it very much was with with you needed to stand in a certain spot i remember him hitting me he has a riding crop he hit me with it and he goes you know where you're supposed to be and i went i'm sorry <laughs> you know just he's kidding around but you know you're i'm not supposed to be where i was standing anyway for his coming where he's going to move and anyway it's very it's a pretty elaborate show but and and fun and there was actually my favorite um spinal tap i'm sure you're familiar with spinal tap my favorite Spinal Tap moment, they do this big buildup where he's in a, he's in a um, straitjacket and they pull him out of the straitjacket and they throw him in a guillotine and there's the, the drums going and the executioner is holding the rope and he's there, the blade's about to fall, he lets go of the rope, the blade stops halfway and the head still falls off. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's, and everybody goes, ah, <laughs> didn't work. It was pretty fun. He also got stuck in the tube once too. There's this tube that fills up with smoke, and he couldn't get out. I remember that. Oh no! Oh yeah, no! Totally what just to straight that? out of just it's straight out of Spinal Tap. It happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that must have been an amazing experience, though. All, all in all, right? It was. Like, it was a great band. Shows like that. It was yeah. a great band too, because Eric Singer, who's in Kiss, was the drummer, and Teddy Zigzag, who's a friend of mine. I did his solo record, and he was from Guns N' Roses, was on it, and Eric Dover. Um, I don't know if you know Eric from Jellyfish. He's Slash's guitar player, singer, was okay. fantastic. Yeah, and he's a friend, and they they do Ultimate Jam Night um, often. You know, yeah. come out, we all get together and play. It's fun. Yeah. So Ultimate Jam Night, and um, I know we've talked about that just a couple of times, but I want to dig into that a little bit more. I know that was something that uh, you were brought in on, and then you took over. Um, well, actually, kind of the way Ultimate Jam Night. I wasn't brought in on. I started that okay. entity. Okay. What happened was there was a little small bar going on, jam going on, uh, with Kenny Aronoff and a couple guys. Um, I don't know if you know Kenny's a pretty famous drummer, and they really, they really just would do the same songs every night, and had people would come down and they'd have one or two people 
sit in. So it wasn't a big deal and it wasn't really growing. And then they had to go on the road with John Fogarty and they asked me to take over the night. And, um, and I did. And uh, Gilby and, and other people, I started getting more people to come down where I was getting up to about 35 guests and the thing blew up. It became this huge thing. Then that club closed down and people kept asking me, hey, when are you going to do the jam again? When are you going to do the jam again? So I found a venue um, in Hollywood and started it up again. And they said, we'll give you a couple of weeks to see how it goes. First week was packed. So we ended up being there for almost for uh, 55 weeks. And then we moved it over to, to a bigger venue at the Whiskey A Go Go, which is a legendary venue. And, and Mikey, the owner, when I met with him, he said, he goes, well, I want you to know residencies in general don't work here at the Whiskey Go-Go, but we'll give it a shot. And we've been there ever since. So, and, and we're back. We just started back this year. You know, we had to take uh, uh, 18 months off because of the pandemic, but we're back and going strong. Yeah, there's one show where the fire marshal had to be called in the show. show. Well, that was at the other venue. And that was, was because it? we were able to get the Eat em and Smile band and David Lee Roth was there and word got out, it was on the news. The club wouldn't listen to me. I said, you got to stop letting people in. They're going to shut us down. But they wanted people, you know, and yeah. So we got shut down before that could ever happen, which was, it was a unfortunate. It was a, yeah, it was, a free, it was a free show, right? So that's. Well, yeah, I've kept it free. That's it's all about, you know, I, I mean, I'm having all these musicians. I'm not going to charge money and then have them play for free. And then it's like, that's not what it's about. It's about right. music community, you know. Yeah. And I mean, tell me about the work that you put in, in terms of being able to navigate so many musicians and kind of get them involved and, you know, playing a couple of well, songs. That's a it's, it's, uh, it's not easy. I, they call me the cat herder because it's like herding cats, you know, getting everybody on the same page. The, the player first, they, they, uh, I say, Hey, do you want to play? This is what we're doing. We pick up a song. And then usually I build the song around the singer and I, and I pick the right players for that style of song. Like if it's a metal song, it's going to be these guys. If it's a pop song, it's going to be these guys. And I reach out and I kind of put it all together. Everybody knows when they're on, um, you know, like what time of the night they're going to be on and what key the song's in. I usually send a link so they know how the song's going to end, which version of the song it is. So everybody's on the same page. So you don't have train wrecks and the tuning too, because some songs you're tuned down a half step or it's in standard tuning. So all that stuff has to be worked out ahead of time. And so yeah. far, so good. It runs like a machine. We're usually never more than five minutes late, which is kind of rare in a jam situation. But it's not really, the word jam is a misnomer in that it's not like, okay, hey, do you want to come play? This is a setup, pre-arranged show. We have a very intricate grid that everybody gets so they know what's going on. Yeah, and you have themes like a particular artist, like Queen or Hendrix or whatever. Yeah, and, and we've even done crazy themes like Mustache Night. So it's all the bands and, and we hand out mustaches, you know, and, and we did the full Rocky Horror Picture Show, full costume twice, you know, things. And we did Spinal Tap, speaking of Spinal Tap, we did that whole thing. We even had a miniature, um, you know, uh, thing come down and, and people dancing around like, like fairies. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. How did the Rocky Horror turn out? How was that? Unbelievable. Polly Z, I don't know if you know Polly, but he sings for Sweet uh, and he has a thing called Bohemian Queen. He nails, totally nails Frank Furter. And you got to have somebody that can be that character. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he does it to the T. 
Um, it, it's pretty amazing. And people can find out more about Ultimate Jam Night at ultimatejamnight.com. Um, there's a, a website up that has photos and information and, and video, and you can kind of get an idea of what the whole thing's about there. Yeah. Have you done Bowie? I'm not sure if you said. We did do a Bowie night. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. When he passed. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah and, and we had people that are like uh, Carmine Rojas, who played bass for Bowie, was there. Yeah. You know, we try to reach out, connect people that were involved. And one of the fun things I get to do is I took, um, I got Greg Wright, who did the Thriller Tour with Michael Jackson, and yeah. Sugarfoot Moffat, who played drums with Michael Jackson on the Thriller Tour, and they hadn't seen each other. I put them together and got, got them out. We did some Michael Jackson stuff, which was great. I'm sure they're so excited, too, to be able yeah, to, yeah, to everybody reconnect. And, you know, yeah. that's one of the joys. And, you know, getting people... To, to play with people that they've always wanted to play with, or I like to take young new players that I think are really exceptional and put them with seasoned pros. And, and you know, it's a, it's a great learning experience for them. Yeah, and I mean, what you're doing is my favorite sort of thing. I wish I would live closer and could go to the, the whiskey, yeah. whiskey shows because like my, my favorite concert of all time was a Bowie celebration after he passed celebrating yeah. David Bowie with Gary Oldman up here in San Francisco and yeah uh, and there and it was the same sort of thing there's 70 musicians like half of them were right. from, from SoCal half from Northern California right. and it just three and a half hours of Bowie you know right. and the artist cycling in doing a song or two you know right. and uh and we got to talk to a lot of the artists that were doing it and everything it's like same sort of thing like some of the members who are in Bowie's band or worked with him in different capacities right. or, or, yeah it's, it's, a, it's incredible we did one recently. Well, we did one for Eddie Van Halen and um, Ralph from Steel Panther came out because he's known for Atomic mm -hmm. Punks. And um, we did one. We do a Randy Rhodes one every year. And we yeah. actually have Randy's amplifiers and equipment and his sister and his brother come to the show and talk and and, you know, keep his memory alive as well. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. I mean, what a great way to just like be able to mix it up and, and bring people together to celebrate music. Yeah. That's that capacity that's right? what we do and we try to keep it you know uh I, I like diversity so some nights we'll we'll have r&b with horns and then we'll do a metal song and then we'll do you know whatever pop tune um i like to keep that variety going uh, as much as possible as well yeah um i want to ask you just uh you know before uh, a couple more things before we wrap uh metal health i mean we talked about that a little bit but i just want to know kind of for, for for you what, what what does it mean like when you hear okay this was the first um, metal album to reach the billboard uh 200 charts like this is the this well, is groundbreaking number, and more than that it was number yeah, one yeah it's number that's, one number one yeah that's, that's that was the first and, metal and, album to go number yeah. one um and i'm i'm pr very proud to have been a part of that history um musically that's not what i'm really uh, i'm about i like playing it and it's great but when people hear my album, they'll know what I'm more about musically. But I, I'm very proud of, of that being a part of my history, no doubt. Yeah. And uh, and during your quiet years, like, was there a particular moment that they kind of stood out, you know, either on tour or in, in the studio and making the, the making an album that you're like, this is what it's all about for me. This is the, the pinnacle. What, what was it for you that kind of scratched that itch and just like made you most proud? With, with Quiet Riot? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, near the end, like 2007, before Kevin passed away, um, we did Sweden Rock, which is a, sh uh, a big festival in Europe that we've always wanted to do. 
And the look on Kevin's face when he turned around, he goes, this is what it's all about, you know? And the band was on fire and there was, I don't know, 60, 55, 60,000 people. And, and that was after a long road of like slugging it out in clubs and then building it back up. And, and um, that, that's that right now, thinking off the top of my head, that stands out. I can picture, yeah. I can picture him and his, he had this long gold, the main jacket looking back on, now you're talking, you know, he was very happy. And then shortly after that, he passed away, you know, so at least, yeah. at least I know he had that moment, you know, back, this is what it's about moment, you know. Yeah, a brilliant moment for him and for you. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, for the for the whole thing and for Frank. Yeah, um, in the, in terms of the Bay Area, because I'm sure you hit the Bay Area so many times. What's your what's your favorite place to play? Well, actually, oddly enough, the Bay Area is wasn't really a real popular area for for Quiet Riot and and um, and touring that much. I remember playing the Cow Palace, um, mm, yeah, back in the day. Um, Stone Pony, I think, is a place okay. out there, right? But it was in I'm Palo not familiar Alto. Where's that? Palo it was in Palo, Palo Alto. I remember okay. playing. Um, but yeah, it's and I love the town. It's fantastic. I, I, the last gig we did though was a corporate gig on a uh, a, a multiple level um, like Mississippi gambling boat kind of thing, and, and we went right underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, it was yeah, it was yeah. Awesome. I just love the Chinatown's amazing. You know, going to the wharf's amazing. It's just, it's in a beautiful place, but it, it's a pretty expensive place. That's for sure. I know that, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not cheap, heard, you know, uh, but I really yeah. love that city. It's an amazing city, city by the bay, you know, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so as we wind down and uh, tell me, what does the next year look like for, uh, for you? What do you, what do you have to look forward to, you know, from, from here, this album is coming out in like two weeks. So I know that's really exciting. Well, that, yeah, that's the impetus of everything for me right now is I'm focused on like talking with you, getting the word out. I just, you know, for me, I just want people to have a listen, check it out. I hope, I hope it moves you and touches you somewhere. Um, and I, I plan on doing another video. Uh, I haven't decided on the song yet. I, I'm going to probably go with a, a less aggressive uh, song like giving up the ghost is one I might do or see you on the other side. Um, I, I haven't decided on that, but definitely leaning towards showing what actually the majority of the album is more of a mellower cinematic vibe than the first two songs that I put out were the most, most aggressive ones I have on the record, but I know I'm known as a rock guy. So I figured I better put out some rock stuff right you gotta away. Gotta get some rock on there. Yeah, yeah. I gotta send out the rock right away. Let them know that, I, you know, what I can do that way too. Um, but uh, yeah, my focus, though, yeah. I'll be playing, I'll be doing some, you know, some live things. I have a, a killer band here in town called Acoustic Saints that I, that um, I play with. We have violin, mandolin, acoustic, you know, I play fretless the whole time and it's a blast playing with those guys. We've been together 10 years. We reinterpret uh, like Zeppelin and, and Don Henley and things like that in our own, our own way. <coughs> I'll be, I have, I have a show with them next weekend. When you do that, like how when you go in with it and kind of try and take a song that's already established and kind of reestablish re it and make it your own, what's most important to you to uh, to bring into that? Well, you kind of get try to take it away from the approach that the original artist did and kind of do your own thing with it, and and that's usually like tempo change, key change, like maybe some chord changes or arrangement change. Um, there's different ways to go about doing that um sometimes like we said earlier sometimes the 
reinterpretation stronger than the original you know yeah 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 for sure well uh chuck i want to thank you for taking the time today i i, I really appreciate it i dig the new album and uh i know you're ready for it to oh, did you get to hear the whole album? thing you got to hear the whole thing oh yeah oh, oh yeah that's fantastic fantastic good yeah i'm not sure yeah. what what has gone out you know i know that um for sure the two singles have been heard i, I wasn't sure that people got to actually experience the whole record itself yeah, I've experienced it. And I like, I mean, you talk about the different levels of, of music and you, you got the rock songs there, right? But then it slows down and you have the the songs, you know, the, I mean, there's the, the Bjork cover, of course. I mean, but I mean, just the different feels and vibes that you take throughout it, but it feels so natural at the same time and, and flows to, together. It kind of all flows, um, tells a story. I know yeah. there's even that, that uh, the one song, um, Cradle of the Sun, that's like uh, Robert Plant, Alison Krauss, folky country vibe song with the pedal steel and and all that it's a totally different thing and a fusion song so yeah King and, you, Crimson. and you yeah. and you can go from you know instrumental at the beginning to and bring you know bring in the the songs and lyrics too you know i mean it, give, it, give it that different feel well, yeah. yeah i i wanted to set up the album with with something that was like you know that's why it starts with greatest silence it really has a cinematic feel to it to kind of set, tell, set up the whole record you know not just yeah. song, 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 song. I'm trying to weave a story so at least it feels like a story's being told. Yeah. Well, so, I, yeah, I, I love it. Like it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. And I look forward to hearing what you, you have coming out down the road. I know we're not thinking about that now, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I get too yeah. excited about the, about the next chapter. And I know it's a, you know, it's probably tough to, to take that jump into the unknown when you've, uh, you know, had this st uh, stability of quiet riot throughout, you know, your career. Yeah, and, and other things, but yeah, it's, yeah. I gotta do say that for anybody that's going out there on their own, it is a little bit of a daunting thing to take on all, you're wearing all the hats and you gotta oversee everything and you gotta make sure all, everything's done. So there's a lot to deal with, um, but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm into it, so that's, it's good. And when it has all your name on it, it all ends on your shoulders, right? Exactly. Yeah. And there yeah. it is. There it is. Well, right. well Chuck, uh, good luck with the album release. Yeah, nice uh, meeting you, man. Nice meeting you as well. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day, okay? Thank you. Cheers. And thanks. Bye, everybody. That was the interview with Chuck Wright here on Concert Pipeline. And that takes us to the final segment on the program, the music news. going to close it out here with a couple of stories about what's going on in the music world uh so we're all up to speed there uh first this one uh we talk a, a little bit about the ukraine in the uh, interview with chuck well you u2's bono and the edge performed in a ukraine subway station uh um recently and uh they haven't been doing a lot of shows so this is a really unique uh rare opportunity that some had to uh be able to see them they did a 40-minute concert uh uh, in uh, uh, Kiev and uh, praised Ukrainian fighting for their freedom from Russia. Uh, your president leads the world in uh, the cause from freedom right now. The people of Ukraine are not just fighting for your own freedom, you're fighting for all of us who love freedom, Bono told a crowd of up to 100 gathered inside the metro station. There's only 100 people at that show. That's going to be really intimate, intimate and cool. Um, and uh, see if there's any other notes from uh, from that, but um, 
Bono rallied the crowd between songs during his performance. This evening, uh, 8th of May, shots uh, will ring out in the Ukraine sky, but you'll be free at last. They can take your lives, but they can never take your pride, he said. Um, Bono is a really deep one. I've had a chance to see you two just a couple of times back in 2001 uh, on their Elevation tour. And it was such a moving, impactful show that they did. Uh, you know, uh, and even with thousands of people in an arena, you still feel like you're right there and it's so small and intimate. And I mean, I was right there actually. The second night I was in the heart, which is 250 people right up close to the, this stage that's shaped like a heart on that tour. Uh, got to shake Bono's hand. Uh, I mean, that was pretty cool. I had a concert, big concert balloon that I'd uh, blown up and the edge kicked it. Uh, so I was really young then and uh, interned for uh, a radio station in San Francisco and really uh, had a chance to do, see that show twice, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, all right, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Flea is rumored to appear in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the newest uh, edition of the Star Wars series. Uh, and that's just a, just a cameo right now, but it's, uh, the reports are in. Uh, so this, this is gonna be released on uh, May 27th on Disney Plus, set 10 years after events in 2005's Revenge of the Sith, where Kenobi witnessed his Jedi apprentice, uh, Anakin Skywalker, turn to the dark side. Uh, and so uh, Flea may make an appearance in the in the movie. We don't know to what capacity. It'll probably be a small little cameo. Maybe he'll be in a, a stormtrooper outfit or something like they do sometimes. Put put random you know celebrities in stormtrooper outfits and uh, to get them into the movie and so uh, as a little Easter egg thing. So we'll see if we are able to actually see uh, um, Flea in Obi Wan. Okay. Death Cab for Cutie have revealed that they've finished their, uh, their new album. Uh, that's, this will be their 10th album, uh, and new music's going to arrive next week. Uh, the band uh, released their latest studio record, Thank You for Today, uh, back in 2018. A five-track collection of covers titled The Georgia EP came out in 2020, uh, which uh, I remember listening to that. That was, that was pretty good. Uh, and... Uh, Death Cab took to social media to post a photograph of themselves in a large recording studio. New album done, the gr uh, group wrote as a caption on Instagram, telling fans that the first slice of a new uh, music from the first full-length project will arrive on May 11th. Uh, and there's a link to pre-save the uh, as of yet untitled track. So, uh, so that's coming out. And Ben Gibbard uh, spoke to NME in 2021 and explained that his uh, then new signature Fender Mustang guitar uh, had been inspiring Death, Death Cab's new LP. We've got a lot of songs and I'm really happy with the material, he said. I'm sure a lot of musicians say that their new material is the best thing they've ever done and try to hype it up. I don't want to give uh, it that weight, but I can say that I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a really good record. Yeah, it's it's tough when you have this pinnacle and uh, that's just an even aside from commercial success is uh is just a such a success and such a part of fans lives transcendentalism was such a great album and that's like 20 years ago at this point that that came came out so uh they've obviously made a number of albums since then but they've left their mark for sure um so um that to look forward to all right uh, and then the last story is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame revealed the class of 2022. Uh, 
it's interesting, you know, the direction that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame takes because you, by definition, you expect the artist to be rock artists um, uh, in rock and roll in some capacity. And a lot of them are, are not even in that genre, really, but they, but they make the cut. So um, this year's uh, nominees are in, that are, will be inducted um, on the ceremony on November 5th uh, in Los Angeles will be Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo, uh, New Wave chart toppers Duran Duran, uh, hip hop heavyweight Eminem, synth pop duo Eurythmics, country legend Dolly Parton, uh, much to her chagrin, she had wrote them a letter saying, "No, thank you. I don't. I don't think I should be taking this spot. Uh, I haven't made a mark in the rock world." And uh, thank you for the consideration, though. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame came back and said. Yeah, too bad. Sorry, you're gonna we're gonna induct you anyway, right? Uh, Lionel Richie is also going to be um, in the Hall of Fame, and pop singer songwriter Carly Simon. They are leading the class. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Judas Priest, I guess. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are joining for musical uh, excellence. Um, I think that's the the majority of the artists that are going to be uh, a part of the ceremony. So. Um, more to come as that gets closer uh, but uh, that is our show for today that winds up the music news so i want to thank you for uh tuning into the program um we'll be back again next week as we always are uh, with uh, another band i'll tell you i'll hint at some of the stuff that we have coming up um I'll, i will let you know that uh we have uh data rock coming up on the the program but we also have some other bands from uh that are playing bottle rock like i said the happy fits we're going to be interviewing um uh, leading up to uh to bottle rock as well as some um at the festival and other stuff that i have in the works as well so um thank you for tuning in and for all of us here at concert pipeline i'm steve jones we'll catch you next time